Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. The Swish and Flick. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Swish and Flick. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. I'm Sarah. And this episode is sponsored by Dana Drutzler. Thank you, Dana. Thanks, Thank Dana. you. Today we will be discussing Chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Dark Mark. So make sure you have read the chapter and you're ready to pencil dive into the details. But before we begin, Megan has weekly profit news. So there is quite a lot of progress on this new coaster coming to Universal. I am bringing up the link. Yes. Um, they have some before and after pictures. It's kind of hard to see because they have scaffolding in front, but you can see the theming coming to life a little bit. It's clearly yeah. like a, um, it's a stone structure with like moss covering parts of it. It looks a little bit disheveled, ruined, ruined. Um, mm-hmm. it kind of honestly looks similar to the structure that was there for the dueling dragons coaster. It does. Um. However, like a different shape and everything. Uh, Repurposing, maybe? Yeah. yeah, But these photos were taken just a day apart. So you can see how much theming work has been done. Right. They're moving pretty quick. So heavy green moss is beginning to dominate the stony exterior of the ruins. They are redoing Hagrid's Mm. hut, like the the roofing on it. So I don't know what what they might be adding to that. Oh my Um, god, it's so weird to see it from so far out. Yeah. Like to see Hogsmeade and Hogwarts and all of that yeah. from back. Like it's so crazy that when you're in there, you have no idea what yeah. is around you. I know. Like cuz you're you're in it. I yeah. love this. Like especially if you look like at the building that Hogwarts is in. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Cuz you don't feel like it's like that. You're like, "No, I'm in the castle, right?" Right. Right. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Um, so they are starting to put a ton of trees up. Mm-hmm. And I think that yes. this is potentially confirming our theory that this ride has something to do with the Forbidden Forest. Right. Or you're at least going to be walking through the Forbidden Forest to get to the ride, maybe? Maybe. Um, they're, <gasps> they're speculating that we might kind of be almost at the point where we're only going to be able to get photos from the sky to update because the the trees are just going to be covering everything soon smart universal smart no, yeah, yeah but also like accurate theming like that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah you can see the they have like an overview photo of hogsmeade with the castle and um like tiffany pointed out you can like see the building that the ride is actually in for hogwarts which is really <laughs> weird um, hashtag but- threw up there <laughs> <laughs> But you can also see, like, what I'm assuming is the launch bay for this coaster, and that is, like, the ruins that we're talking about. That's kind of, like, where the ride is starting, I think, and then the track enters and exits this same building and kind of is going through the trees. Neat. But it's also going into this building behind it. I don't know if you can see that. So, like, when you launch, I believe... Well, I guess, I don't know, it could be the ending or the beginning. I don't know if you're going to start going out of it and you're just going to go through the forest in the beginning, or mm-hmm. if you're going to go the other way and go into this building. So there's clearly some scenes that you are going to go through in this building, which is always awesome. I need it to be, like, motion sickness people friendly. Like, I yeah. really want a really cool ride that I don't, like, get sick on. Do you know well, what I'm saying? You were like, that was okay for, for you, sure. right? I think it's going to be yeah, similar speed, dude. I don't dude. know if that was a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be very, it's supposed to be family friendly. It is. That's what so... they claim. It's a family friendly coaster. Um, so, Fingers but crossed, yeah, it's, okay. we're seeing yeah, a lot yeah. more trees in these pictures than dirt. So that's always a good thing. That means that they are having, they're coming along with progress. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You can also kind of see some areas where there are definitely no trees. And I don't know if there's going to be anything planted there, or if that's going to be like a scene that we might go by outside. Mm-hmm. Like an um, attraction thing. Yeah. Yeah. It says that this, there's another shot of it. It says the shot gives us a great view of the remaining dirt. It also helps, <laughs> I like how that gives us a great <laughs> shot of the remaining dirt. It also helps further enforce the theory we stand we stated about water being used in the theming of the attraction. Standing Ooh. water is still around the 180 turn on the right side of the image, but there certainly won't be any water near what is most likely some electrical transformers in the top middle. But yeah, you can see standing water. Uh, yeah. So maybe they're going to try and incorporate parts the lake. of the lake. Yeah. Uh, so that could be cool. That would be cool. Some mer people coming out of there. That would be really awesome. Um, so from a slightly different angle, you can see the damaged... Oh, hold on. Why is my thing not scrolling? Okay, there it is. You can see the damaged roof on Hagrid's hut. I don't know what they're talking about with damage on it, though. I'm not sure. So I don't either. Oh, maybe there it is. Yeah, because there's the train station. Interesting. Okay. Um, <gasps> the train station! It's so weird to see it like this. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's really... Yeah, it's like a weird angle. Um and then you can also see some more theming zoomed in. You can see, like, trunks, like, like roots coming out. So, like, this is definitely dirt. Like, I wonder if you're going 
maybe something with Aragog, but they already have that in the castle, so I kind of hope that we don't have something with Aragog. I don't know. So You can have him both places. He was housed in both locations. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, it says, this angle showcases the highly detailed theming on the building's extension. There appears to be heavy clumps of dirt, moss, and rock. Could it possibly be a skeleton as well? I don't know where they're seeing that. I kind of think it's just roots, but what do I know? I got yeah. no roots. <laughs> I think they're just grasping at whatever the theory is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says the unknown ruins building can be seen in two different stages. In the background, we see the old rocks and moss with weathered exterior, but in the foreground, we see primer paint in preparation for the next stage. Uh, so I don't know where they're going with this. I'm it looks so really pretty, though. I'm so excited. Me too. There's no I scaffolding I... on parts, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see a mossy bridge leading into the ruined structure, which I'm assuming it's going to be line. So, mm. or it could be the exit. I think that for dueling dragons, there was a bridge that you walked over to get to and from the attraction. So they're probably okay. just re uh, redoing that bridge. Gotcha. But yeah, it looks really awesome. I, they, I mean, again, nobody really has any final thoughts on what this coaster is going to be, but I really think yeah. it's going to be something Forbidden Forest themed, so. I hope that the cart that you're in is like the Weasley's car. I, so, huh. I don't know, did I do this as a weekly profit? I'm not sure, but it looks like it's Haggard's motorbike. Oh, So it, it looks like there's two people <clears throat> per thing, and one's riding the motorbike, and one's actually in the car. Like the sidecar. That's crazy. So yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know what this is going to be, but hopefully we get some details soon. It looks like they're making really good progress, and it's supposed to open later this year, but we don't have a oh, finalized date awesome. at all. Awesome, awesome, so, awesome. So I hope cool. it's open when I go in December. <laughs> so, when we all go in December. I would like to go twice. Y'all probably have to go without me. We will think of you and take your head on a stick. Maybe they'll announce another um, celebration next January, and we'll go then. Yes. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. <gasps> Recap. <laughs> All right. Last time was the big match, the 422nd Quidditch World Cup. Poor Joe had to write a lot about Quidditch, which we know she absolutely despised, <clears throat> but we enjoyed it. Uh, we got some fun glimpses into the wizarding wizarding world, like wizard ads and how they do mascots, which are really just creatures. Pretty cool. And we witnessed one heck of a match between Ireland and Bulgaria. And who knew Fred and George would be right with their crazy prediction? <laughs> Truth. Maybe they're seers. Ooh, Ooh. new theory. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did Everybody's a seer. Oh, ouch. Maybe that's why he lived it up so hard. Hmm. <laughs> So first I want to say shout out to Ireland because we won. Holla. <laughs> so they make it back to their tents. <clears throat> the Irish have really started to party, but the Weasleys and company have decided to go to sleep because before they know it, or they're, they're going to have to like wake up and go home. But before they know it, they're woken up. Some crazy stuff is happening with the muggles. So the adults go to help while the younger ones go into the forest to hide. They go into the woods, they find some interesting people, and by the end, they are accused of dark magic, but it's ultimately blamed on a house elf with a wand. So everyone's upset, and we hear about Death Eaters before bed. I hope there aren't any nightmares. Because that's nightmare-inducing. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I guess we should start this episode by saying that this is not going to be a lot of ha-has in this chapter. Right. I'm going to make some comparisons to some real life stuff, and it is what it is. I mean, this is truly where we start getting really dark, so it's unfortunate, but it is the series. I feel like we started the book from Jump with, like, Frank dying, like, that's pretty dark. Yeah. It's just getting darker. Darker, yeah, for sure. All right, so we start the episode with Mr. Weasley telling the twins that they better not tell their mother that they've been gambling as they come down the purple. (laughs) I was sipping tea, man. (laughs) Purple carpeted steps from the World Cup match. The twins, however, have big plans for the money that they won, and I said, hmm, do you? Mr. Weasley thought it better to ask, better thought better than to ask what they would be up to because he probably didn't want to know the answer. <laughs> Smart, experienced I mean, if, father. Right. If he doesn't know, he doesn't have to lie to Molly. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> or withhold information from her, which to me is the same as lying. Yeah. All right. So as they exit into the crowd and go back to their campsite, there was a raucous singing into the night, and the leprechauns kept shooting over their heads. And cackling. And I said, this reminds me of Peeves with the cackling and shooting around. Yeah, And then I said, who? Because he's not in the movies. Yeah. (sighs) I would love to see the cut, like, the cut filmed scenes of him from Sorcerer's Stone. Mm -hmm. Even if it's so bad they had to cut it all out, I still want to see it. Yeah, I agree. I I think that I would enjoy it because, I don't know, he's, like, literally, Peeves is one of, like, the funniest things about the Potter series. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would love to see it in action. Agreed. The group was way too excited to sleep, and the noise wouldn't even allow them to anyways. So Arthur said it would be all right to have one more cup of cocoa before they went to bed. I said, if only, y'all. If only. Yeah. There was a friendly conversation about cobbing with Charlie and Ginny, and so I looked it up, and I think we talked about it just a tiny bit last episode. Cobbing is a common Quidditch foul that consisted of a player using his elbows excessively to hurt an opponent. And it says all players could commit this foul. So basically, if you're on the field and you elbow someone, that's copying. And you can get called for it. I mean, Ginny it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're oh. up on a broom. Elbow someone, they could fall off. Have you ever seen people elbow fight? No. <laughs> you haven't? No. no. They, like, put their arms like this and then you, like... Go like that? You've never <laughs> seen people do that? No. Oh my gosh, people in high school used to do that all the time. <laughs> That's funny. Just like imagine two people with their elbows going at it. Oh my god. <laughs> so Ginny then fell asleep, filled her cocoa, and that was the cue that it was time to turn in and go to bed. So there's still a bunch of singing going on at the other campsites and echoing bangs. And then Mr. Weasley states that he is super happy that he is not on duty to have to go and tell the Irish to stop celebrating. <laughs> we never yes. stop. The Irish never stop? No. no. All the commotion of the Quidditch match made Harry go, um, made him long to get back onto his firebolt and try out the Ronsky feint. And we went into it a lot last episode with Sarah, but once again, it's a defensive feint. It's a tactic in Quidditch where a seeker pretends to spot the snitch far below, races to catch it, hoping the opposing seeker will copy, and then at the last second, they pull out of the dive, and the other seeker, they hope, crashes. It's a dangerous diversion tactic. Leave it to Harry Potter to want to try the most dangerous 
Quidditch move. Right. It is Harry Potter. True. <laughs> and then Harry has a dream. And I'm just going to read it. Harry saw himself in robes that had his name on the back and imagined the sensation of hearing a 100,000 strong crowd roar as Ludo Bagman's voice echoed throughout the stadium. I give you Potter! <laughs> Harry never knew whether or not he had actually dropped off into sleep. His fantasies of flying like crumb might as well have slipped into actual dreams, but all he knew was that quite suddenly Mr. Weasley was shouting. Uh, yeah, here we go. I don't like this. So he's being woken up by Mr. Weasley very abruptly with urgency. There's noises from the campsite that had changed from joyous to terrible screaming. And there was absolutely no time to change their clothes to get like get out of their pajamas or anything. So basically they had time to like grab a jacket, probably some shoes, and get outside. If shoes. I don't even know. So I'm just going to read from the chapter just a little bit. Harry did as he was told and hurried out of the tent, Ron at his heels. By the light of a few fires that were still burning, he could see people running away into the woods, fleeing something that was moving across the field toward them, something that was emitting odd flashes of light and noises like gunfire. Loud jeering, roars of laughter, and drunken yells were drifting towards them. Then came a burst of strong green light which illuminated the scene. A crap. Thank you. <laughs> A crowd of wizards, tightly packed and moving together with wands pointed straight upward, was marching slowly across the field. Harry squinted at them. They didn't seem to have faces. Then he realized that their heads were hooded and their faces masked. High above them, floating along in midair, four struggling figures were being contorted into grotesque shapes. It was as though the masked wizards on the ground were puppeteers. And the people above them were marionettes operated by invisible strings that rose from wands into the air. Two of the figures were very small. I hate this. Like, this chapter makes me want to cry. But I won't. I'll try not to. So, more and more wizards begin to join this march. They're laughing and pointing at the bodies in the air. And then I ask this <clears throat> question. Are these people full-on supporters that are just, like, not fully robed? Or... I said, or Death Eaters on holiday. Drunks that don't know what's going on. Or people in fear wanting to blend in and not go against the grain. Mm -hmm. Maybe probably, all of the above. Yeah, it's probably a good combination. Either way, I mean, it sucks. Right. It, it really does. And I said, either way, it's absolutely disgusting. Tents were being blasted out of the way, and they were catching on fire. And more screaming ensued. So I said, basically, being people were being lit on fire inside of these tents. Like, if you read it, and you slow down and you read it, yeah, these tents are being lit on fire, which issues screams, which means that people are being lit on fire inside of tents. Mm -hmm. Pure blood or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you don't know who's in there. Mm -mm. What I just realized about this chapter that I, I don't like, but I appreciate from Joe, is that I was just thinking, like, whoa, this is the first instance we get where it's, like, it goes really dark really fast. But we are, like, Harry, we're, we're abruptly woken up to mm -hmm, this yeah. other side of this world that we haven't seen. We've only heard about just, like, Harry's heard about. Like, he only knows bar barely anything about the First World First world War. First Wizarding War. So just like he is suddenly aware of all these things, so are we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think she does this with that purpose in mind she's like you know everything has been relatively soft but 
she has a story to tell and she has lessons for us as readers to learn. And one of them I know for sure is don't let history repeat itself and you need to be aware. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is her way of being like, you know what? Life can be great and you can have such a great time, but you know what? It can change. And that's what exactly happens here. So it says the people who were floating were finally illuminated so that Harry could see them. And he recognized Mr. Roberts, which we know was the campsite manager, which is the muggle that kept getting his memory modified, and his family. Mrs. Roberts was flipped upside down and her nightdress fell fell to reveal her drawers, a.k.a. underwear. And she was struggling to cover herself up. And the crowd, quote, hooted with glee. So not only are those the marchers that are hooting with glee, but that's wizards and witches around them that are also hooting with glee as they joined in. Go ahead. I I think part of it, too, though, is we forget that not all wizards are to the extreme of the Malfoys or the Weasleys. You know, the Weasleys very much love muggles and are accepting of them and Really, they're in the way that, like, we can all live harmoniously together, where probably the majority of wizards don't like muggles at all. So they really yep. don't see a problem with this. But when you go so far as to kill people, maybe that's when they have an issue. But as of right now, you're just poking fun at these poor, yes. dumb muggles. Yep. And that's why they don't care. And I think, for me, when I look at this, that's the majority of those people. They're just having fun at the expense of the muggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, it's still sick, you know? Mm-hmm. Of course Oh, it no, is. it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to read Ron's quote real quick. He says, that's sick. Ron muttered, watching the smallest muggle child who had begun to spin like a top, 60 feet above the ground, his head flopping limply from side to side. That's really sick. That is really sick. Excuse me. I can't handle that. Yeah, yeah so like he's clearly, going- like, knocked out. Yeah. Or, I mean, if your head's flapping and you're a kid, it's not hard to snap a neck. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. don't know for sure. We don't know what happened to them. We Well, right now, it might just be, unfortunately, it might just be a dead body. Like, right. we don't know. Like, the kid, right. we don't hear that about him screaming or him or her, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's horrific. Like, this chapter mm. is disgusting. I hate it. And, you know, it wasn't this terrible to me uh, reading it the first time. And I think probably because... I had a sense of immaturity about me. I knew Mm. it was wrong, but like growing up over the years, working in the field that I work in with children, having my own child, and then reading this, and I'm like, holy bleep, I want to like reach through the book pages, and I want to start busting skulls, and I want to protect them, and I know they're fictional characters, but blah, 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 but this kind of crap, guys, happens. <laughs> it happens in it. real life. Mm-hmm. Like you hear about that all the time. Like even right now, you know, like kids that, like it's not their fight, but they get thrown into they're the in mix because they're yeah. easy targets. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. Yes, and that's just it's just messed up. So as much as yes, these are fictional characters, it happens every day in real life. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Megan. I was just going to say, Eddie in the um, Discord chat says, do you think they believe it's okay because they can just obliviate them so no harm done? I don't understand how they could just watch this. Probably. Yeah. They're probably like, you know what? Oh, it's poking fun. Ha ha ha. They're also probably under the influence, some Definitely. of them. Definitely. Um, and so well, 
it's I also think it's that it's magic. They just think that they are like superior. Like most wizards think they're superior than muggles. You know what I mean? So yes, they're like no harm, no foul, we'll obliviate them, but like we're better than them anyway, so it really doesn't matter. And again, you add alcohol into any situation, things get out of control fast. Yeah, I think it's comparable even to like some people are like, well, animals don't have feelings, so like whatever. <sighs> and it's like whether you believe they have feelings or not, that's a being. How do you do that to something? So how do you do something like this to a fellow human being? I don't care if they're muggle mm-hmm. or squib or half blood or pure blood. I don't care. How how can anybody treat anybody else anything I less hate it. than yeah. yeah? I hate I, it. I don't get it. It's so messed up. I think that this Mm, is a direct comparison to like white privilege, and it just is. And like you can you can see the Weasleys like they're wizards, but they don't take advantage of the privilege that they potentially have being wizards. They understand, Mm. but they, um, I mean, like obviously they know that they're wizards, but they don't think that they're above anybody else just because they are. While some people are like. Um, oh, I'm a wizard, so I'm clearly above muggle. I'm more important than them. I mean, I could do more than them. And that's honestly how some people have felt in the past and maybe even still do currently about being white. And I think that this entire thing is the very beginning stages of comparison to, um, to like, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's her direct comparison to history. And she's trying to say, don't let that repeat. Well, I'm glad you yeah. said that, because that's my next article. Here we go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, before we get into that, I do want to sure. say, Tiffany and I talked about, on a, on a, I don't because I just read Leaky Cauldron. I was going to be like, on a Leaky Cauldron, they're called Felix Files. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to do that. Like, I'm really interested in doing a huge dive deep into, like, Harry Potter versus, like, Nazi Germany and all of those things like we did with... Um, the yeah. Salem Witch Trials, because I that was probably my favorite episode we've ever done, which had very little to do with Harry Potter, but I think I mean, it'd be really, really so. cool. Yeah. Okay. So, like Sarah said, it's a leaky cauldron, <laughs> but the article is from uh, theleakycauldron.org, and we will have it posted for you. Um, I'm going to read the first part, and then I'm going to skim through it because this uh, article is exceptionally long and detailed, but. And we'll get into it, as Sarah said, when we do the other episode. So it says, J.K. Rowling is known to have created not only a detailed, captivating story, but also an entirely new magical world in which her characters live. Thus, we see that even though this world is considered fictional, the author creates a world that maintains all the aspects of the real world. Through her characters, such as Voldemort and Grindelwald, she shows that issues arose during the Second World War are not confined to the real world. She shows that they are timeless, universal, and relevant even in the magical world. Through her parallels, she brings a certain sensibility towards the issue and attempts to teach her readers, who are predominantly children and teenagers, the dangers of bigotry and the power hunger, as well as the importance of unity, bravery, and compassion. By describing the idealistic views on society held by characters of the magical world, such as Grindelwald and Salazar Slytherin, as well as similarly to anti-Semitism, by comparing Voldemort's life and personality to Hitler's, and finally, by comparing both dictators' regimes, a clearer understanding of Rawlings' use of parallels will arise. So, she ta- the, she they talk about an idealistic view on society, which both Grindelwald, Slytherin, and Voldemort all had. 
their idealistic society is a world that is purely magical or a world that is magic over muggle. Right. Whichever way you want to say that. What's the saying that they use in the book? Like might over... Magic is might. Magic is might. Or something like that. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So Slytherin basically... I don't want to say he started it all, but he kind of mainstreamed it all. And so what the article says, it's important to realize that prejudice against Jews is not entirely a new idea. Um, Hitler highly benefited from the long history of anti-Semitism in Germany. And it says, William L. Schreier believes even that the Nazis came to power because the movement was a, quote, logical continuation of German history. Um, it says, similarly, Voldemort and Grindelwald were not the first to encourage racial superiority. Slatherar Salazar Slytherin, born into a millennium before these two men, also had a strong racist belief. And he was one of the four founders of Hogwarts um, that we know believed that only pure blood wizards should be allowed to attend Hogwarts. And then the other founders obviously refused. He bounced and left the Chamber of Secrets with the Basilisk in hopes that um, his heir would open it up and fulfill his wishes. But we knew that. Then um, it goes into Grindelwald and Dumbledore saying that Slytherin's views did not die with his death because Grindelwald in particular maintained similar views. And then he was joined by my boy Dumbly at age 18 where he made some poor choices. Um, both men believed that because wizards were more powerful than muggles, then they indubitably, indubitably had the right to rule. And in simple terms, they wanted to use muggles as slaves for the wizarding world. And just because they were more powerful, they were more worthy of freedom, and in that way, they were more worthy of life. Hashtag hard no. <sighs> Dumbledore then, comes to his senses. Yes. Yes, he does. And it says um, in here, for Hitler, to be born a Jew meant that one was, quote, not a human being and therefore unworthy of life, end quote. I, so I really like what Isaiah just said in the chat in Go ahead. playing devil's advocate for Slytherin. And as the Slytherin, I feel like I should bring it up. Um, I'm definitely not encouraging any of his behavior. However, Isaiah says, I think he wanted pure blood wizards because muggle-born kids are too much of a wild card. So I, like, there are times where I wonder if maybe How? Slytherins, well, in his view, he believed that they were a wild card. It's not where necessarily... Where's that evidence from? Like, how do you, how do you draw, like, how do you come to that conclusion? I, you don't. But that could have just, just been, I mean, like, there are a lot of things that people think that have no basis, that have no basis to it, but that's just what he believed. So because, and, you know, I don't know if this is true or canon or whatever, but he could have possibly believed they were a wild card. So he thought that he, you know, he didn't want to take a chance on that. So he wanted pure blood wizards, but then his ideals could have been twisted. And who knows? I mean, people say things and their words get twisted all the time. So, like, unfortunately, because we don't know much of the founders' stories, we don't fully know. Um, I mean, we don't fully know where his ideals were coming from or what made him think this way or, you know, and I, I don't know. Isaiah is also saying you don't know which muggle parents are murderous and which ones aren't. This was during the burning of witches and wizards. I think his goal was self-preservation. 
you know, it's here's just what I, an uh, idea. Well, here's what I I would say to that. Just because their parents might be some type of way has no reflection, I think, on the kids. And I think that they also deserve the right to that education because they're wizards. Regardless of anything, at the end of the day, taking away, like, pure blood, mud blood, you know, muggle-born, half-whatever, y'all have magic. They all deserve, like, mm-hmm. a chance to learn, regardless of how you feel about it. Definitely. It's not, like... You know, I, I just don't think, like, who... And I get it, especially in that time. And I don't even know if, like, back when he was alive, if they were burning witches. Because he... Like, Hogwarts was started in, like, 1050 or something. And, like, the Salem and everything was, like, hundreds of years later. But I get it. Like, back in their day, it was... I mean, so I think it was more prevalent. Like, people knew, like, what witches and wizards and stuff were. I just think he was racist. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think he was also, uh, you know, trying to prey on fear yeah. and mm-hmm. using fear as that tactic like we see a lot of people do. Uh, just saying. And uh, yes, to all the things that you said and self-preservation and whatever, blah, blah, blah. End of story, though. He left a snake to kill people. Children. So I just can't. By no means am I saying that I don't think he's bad. <laughs> I'm just trying. I was just, I liked that we were playing devil's advocate there, but trying I, to find I mean, the reason. Yeah. yeah I and, and I mean, I, yes, the whole chamber of secrets thing is clearly a massive red flag on Slytherin. Um, mm-hmm. Like Salazar Slytherin specifically. But, but I think that again, we don't know where he's coming from with his thinking or what things he was brought up believing or how he came to those conclusions. And, Again, it's not right, um, but his whole ideals could have been twisted. So who knows if, like, what his ideals were actually match Grindelwald and Voldemort. Like, we don't know, but they could be. Could not be. Could be. I don't know. I think that, like, part of, part of like, the whole um, only wanting purebloods is, like, they think, and you hear it, like, that they're above them because they have that pureblood, they're more powerful and all of that stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, in my mind, I would think that, if you're a muggle-born, like, you're more powerful because it almost came out of nothing. Agreed. So, like, it's so powerful that, like, you... Like, maybe we all have it in us, but it's not sparked unless there's some crazy reason, you know, where this person suddenly gets to become a witch. So, that's, I think, part of it is, like, there's, like, while the blood's thicker in pure bloods, like, the wizarding whatever, that strain is thicker there. So, it's thinner in a half-blood. It's, like, non-existent in a muggle-born. Like, and that's, not that it's true, but that's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't like the idea. Be nice to everybody. That's everybody. right. If you can yeah. learn one thing from us is to be a good human. Yep. All right. Well, let's go back to the terribleness of this article. <laughs> Slash information. Um, so we know that For the Greater Good was used by Grindelwald and Dumbly. And it kind of has a parallel to... Uh, later slogans that Hitler used, um, such as "Free Germany from the Jews," so you can see that like these quick kind of sayings are supposed to be doing good for your society, but when really they're destroying mm, people. Sounds familiar. Yeah, Grindelwald. This is interesting. Grindelwald was defeated in 1945, which was the same year as Hitler's death. And, and I'm really curious to see the correlation between that. Well, there's there's a site. Yeah, we better see something. 
there's a citation here actually um i don't i'm not scrolling down to it but it says and rolling confirms in an interview that this is in fact not a coincidence Mm, nice yeah yeah Goes on to say Voldemort um, basically was an ideal dictator, just like Adolf Hitler Hitler was. And then they go to childhood and youth, which were origins of hate. Um, Their personalities, such as persuasion and manipulation, were used. I'm not going to get into all this because we could be here for an hour. Power, name significance. Voldemort's personality can be summarized by the significance of his name. Voldemort changed his name from Tom Riddle. Shows that he's, like, cutting his ties from his muggle bond. And it shows that he sees himself as superior being. So I thought that was interesting. Voldemort and Hitler basically both had a political regime. Treatment of the inferior race, like, with blood and a gradual elimination of the other races. Those are the parallels that have been drawn. Press and propaganda. Big, Mm. big time. Big time, you guys. And it... You see it nowadays too. Amen which to is that. You insane. Mm-hmm. You guys, open your eyes. That's all I'm gonna say. Open them up. <laughs> resistance, though, there are there is resistance from people, which is great. And then they have an in concluding, and then there's a bunch of notes um, where you can find all the citations. So if you have time, dive into this article. It is worth the read. And we'll get, I'm going to save that article and we can get into it when we do our Felix Files comparison. Yes, Megan. I just wanted to, like, point out again that the whole, like, the whole idea of this article and, like, what we're talking about, it literally blows my mind that there are still people today who view themselves as white supremacists. And, like, I mean, what was it, last year or a year and a half ago, there was literally, like, a rally with white supremacists, and people got hurt. Like, this is still going on, and that is just... Oh, but, you know, Megan, they changed the name, so they're so much better now. Yeah, I know. Um, It's just, you know, it just blows my mind that this is still relevant today, and it... We Mm -hmm. never learn from our past. We never learn from our past, and history always repeats itself and unless there's like major changes it's gonna keep doing that so yeah people just need to open their eyes and And this is just a titch off topic it blows my mind that there's people that don't think the holocaust actually happened y'all and i i just i just don't like there's people there's There's people that believe a lot of things didn't happen that just blows my mind like uh school shootings and stuff they think that's all fake yeah i just can't believe that stuff yeah. So. so, I mean, we try not to get too political on this podcast, but um, open your peepers and we'll say no more. Another thing in the Discord chat, Isaiah said, well, actually, Vinny said, as a Slytherin, I think it's better to tackle with the really bad aspects of Salazar. So in that time, the good parts of being a Slytherin can flourish and then Isaiah said, but that's the thing. We don't actually know the bad aspects, only what we've been told and remember Salazar and Godric were best friends, which kind of reminds me of the relationship a little bit between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, possibly. Ooh. So, um... One of them woke up. Yeah, I, I like that correlation. Yeah, and yeah. Isaiah said, I can't see Godric being friends with a racist. Just like, can you see Dumbledore being friends with a racist? I mean, it's, not you know... Not the current one, you know what I mean? Well, correct. I guess it's not current, all right, people were now. But, no, yep. but it's just... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's how I you're raised. That, it's how you're raised. Yes, and then it's how you grow. Yeah, yeah. Yourself. Like my my thing is like 
you they might have been best friends growing up and then they see like you you can be friends with someone and you know live the exact same life and do the exact same things and then all of a sudden like you start splitting where like maybe once they really started with the school and everything and that's that was like the avenue where all of these things were going to come out and Salazar, Salazar started saying all this stuff and Godric's like mm, I don't really agree with you but we're still friends and then maybe it got to a point because like I think by the end of it were they best friends probably not yeah. like yeah you probably realized you know I, I can't be friends with someone that like thinks these things like I know I've had friends where I'm like the things that you say, I'm like, I don't, I like, I can't believe you would ever say that. And I don't agree with you. And there's times too, where like, I've even had just disagreements on other levels where we can still be friends and politely disagree. But there's times where like, I just don't like, that's not even point of discussion. Like if someone said, like, I get mad at people that say like racist slurs because my best friend's black. And then like, I was obviously the maid of honor in, in a gay wedding. So if you say something that's like untowards towards like anybody that's gay or like choosing a different lifestyle, I get mad on people's behalf. Preach. So I'm like, don't say that stuff to me. So Preach. that is something that like, I would cut a friendship off. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I was joking. No, you weren't like, you know what I mean? Like Sorry. stuff like that. So maybe that's something that happened between Godric and Salazar. Agreed. Yeah. Later awesome. on, they realized like, yeah, we were going in the same path. We kind of agreed on everything. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, maybe he op- like got to dope his eyes like and said that's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I just went off on a tangent. But... I like it. No, I agree. I mean, this kind of this kind of stuff is like you. Sometimes you don't know people's true colors until a mm-hmm. certain part of um, a friendship or whatever, and then it comes to light, and you're like, oh wait, hold on. I agreed with you up until this point. Now what's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and that mm-hmm. happens. With family, it happens with friends. It, mm-hmm. It's happened a lot over the past couple of years for me. I know that, so. The only thing you should really care about from a person is whether or not they are a good human. Yep. All the other BS aside, yeah. like, that's the only thing you should be making, quote, judgments on, whether or not you want that person in your life. Who yeah. cares about the rest of the stuff? As long as they aren't hurting anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to be And that's that. something, well, that's <laughs> something that people, like, forget about. So take, if you take anything else, if you take nothing but that home, you did good. Like, yeah. just, yeah, love <sighs> each other, love yourself, be kind to one another, as Ellen and, says. And, and if this episode, if the things that we just said hit you the wrong way and you don't agree, don't let the door hit you, friend. Yep. We still love you, but you can go and move along. All right. All the older guys are going to help the ministries to stop what is going on. And the younger ones are to go hide in the woods and stick together until they come back. So Fred takes Ginny in hand and the ministry workers were trying to prevent the Roberts family from falling from 60 feet in the air and also stop what was happening to them. And I said that they were kind of like stuck in a hard place for sure because they're trying to stop the marchers and then they're trying to stop the people from falling and... It's like, what the heck do you do? We don't know the outcome, you guys. Yeah, that's true. I... So one one can only hope that everything was okay, but I kind of find it hard-pressed that it would be. I feel like Mr. Weasley mentions something about it later, doesn't he? I, I can't remember. I, remember. I don't know. <laughs> well, when we get to it again, we'll find out. <laughs> right. All right. So it's just, it's it's a situation that I, if I heard this, I would want to curl up and to a ball and just cry children crying people rushing panicked people anxious shouts yell of pain from ron 
So Hermione lights up her wand with Lumos, and I said, naughty, naughty, you'll get caughty. (laughs) Ron had tripped over a tree root. Him and those tree roots. Yeah, for real. And I said, here comes good old Blondie. Who could I be talking about? Mm Hmm. Mr. Malfoy. Could it be me? (laughs) You are a lot blonder these days. So, we hear, well, with feet that size, hard not to, said a drawling voice from behind them. Harry, Ron, and Hermione turned sharply. Draco Malfoy was standing alone nearby, leaning against a tree, looking utterly relaxed. I'm surprised he's not smoking a cig and looking like James Dean. Oh my god. <laughs> His arms folded. He seemed to have been watching the scene at the campsite through the gap in the trees. Ron told Malfoy to do something that Harry knew he would never have dared say in front of Mrs. Weasley. And I think it's something along the lines of, Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
She also reads about Durmstrang in this book, so. Harry discovers at this point, though, that he has lost his wand. And I said, Harry. Can you imagine that feeling, though? Like, it would be like losing your wallet. I think it'd be worse than that. Like, your wallet, you can cancel stuff. Your wand, that protects you, especially in this kind of atmosphere. I guess it would almost be like like a police officer, like, losing their gun or something. Oh yeah. In the height of something awful. You know yeah. I mean? I'm, no, for real. I'm not even a cop, and I literally just got chills, like, oh my god, I'm like, yeah. what would I do? Yeah. I mean, that... who's gonna find it? What if you come into a situation? Right. No. Well, and feel, like, think about how bad you would feel. Like, think about how bad, I bet you Harry feels that, like, he learns that, like, his wand was on the conjured the dark mark. Right. So, like, but if he killed someone, like, I would feel so guilty. Yeah. Even though I didn't do it. Right. Um, so it could literally be anywhere at this point. It could be in the tent. Um, it could be along the entire path that they just ran through all of that chaos. Maybe someone stepped on it. It could have broken. Like, who knows? Um, but now he feels incredibly vulnerable, um, obviously. Then they run into Winky as they're trying to search for Harry's wand, and she's running with great difficulty as though someone invisible were trying to hold her back. And I said, now this is awesome writing here because we don't question this at all because we know Dobby would force himself to do things and probably do this to himself if he was doing something that he wouldn't, um, that he wasn't told he could do. However, we learn later Winky literally is being held back by someone in an invisibility cloak. This blows my mind. Yeah. So it is Barty Crouch Jr. Um, you said it wrong. Barty Crouch Jr. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of um, my favorite things to say. I'm not <laughs> quoting um, Filch. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, could, uh, I just call him David. Almost bit my coffee out. Doctor. <laughs> So I just think that that is, like, it's really, it's a really awesome nod back to, again, something we learn in Chamber of Secrets now, two books ago, we learn House Elves' behavior so that we don't even question this in book four, even though she ends up using that to her advantage against us because we don't even think about the fact that it literally could be somebody holding her back, and it is. So I just thought that was really neat. Um, Ron does question it, though. And he's like, why is she walking like that? And Harry is just like, oh, I bet she didn't ask permission to hide. So, ooh, I'm wheezing. Guys, I'm a mess today. I think it's like allergies. Okay. Hermione is upset about this. And this is kind of the beginnings of her ramblings about SPEW. So she says, says, it's slavery. Um, Hermione gets mad and says, It's people like you, Ron, because you're too lazy to... Oh, wait, hold on. It's people like you, Ron, Hermione began hotly, who prop up rotten and unjust systems just because they're too lazy to... I'm assuming she's going to say change. Right. Uh, And I say, okay, I'm not going to lie here, but she is totally 100% right. I love me some Ron, but she has a huge point here. I'm just saying. All I'm going to say, though, is you got to cut him some slack. He's 14 years old. Like, I think you should take more responsibility from the parents, from the adults in situations like this, because he's 14. Like, he's not thinking stuff like that because he's never one. He's never really had to. He's never even seen a um, house elf till then anyways. But, yeah, you're right. 
he should want to change and all of that stuff. But again, he's 14. He's a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, didn't he? This is part of his journey. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. The, her saying these things is his lead-up to his change. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because you can't have somebody overnight. It's like somebody losing weight. You need to lose weight. That's great. But I won't unless it comes from me. Mm-hmm. So this is just an outside factor that's going to help him uh, change in for the better. Katie. This is the seed that's planted that leads to the big smooch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just like in this moment, I love Hermione for doing this because that is the only way to get people to potentially change is to call them out on things like that and say, this is why these things don't change. You need to learn that this is bad. You need to try to change. Take baby steps. We'll get there. Um, But I love that she does this to him. And I love that it ends up working after many years, but he still gets there. I have feelings about her doing all of this, though, as well. Because she's not always right in her way of getting them rights and all of that stuff. So it's going to be a conversation. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, she is just incredibly passionate about this. And I think that sometimes whenever you're really passionate about something, when you first start out, you don't always necessarily go about it the right way. You just try and like, go full, you know, go full on full steam ahead. And, you know, I mean, like, everybody does it. Relate that to weight loss. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I you, mean, that's the best way that I yeah. can get like a large group of people to understand yeah. is like if you try and change everything about what you're doing overnight, more often than not, you will fail. It takes baby steps and it takes time because it's a lifestyle change. And we're not on a diet to get everybody equal in the wizarding world. We want a lifestyle change, you guys. Because yeah. that doesn't end. Diets do. All all I'm saying though is like from our perspective, it's that. But from you have to think about it from everyone else's perspective because you could say that about everything. You could yep. say that in defense of Grindelwald, in defense of Voldemort, in defense of all these people, they're very passionate. They're very doing all of these exact same things. Just you need perspective is all I'm saying because I don't know if she's a hundred percent right. Not that Ron is either, but I think. Well, that... let's just title this episode. This is a lifestyle change, not a diet. <laughs> I like it. (laughs) I like it. I just, you know, I can relate to Hermione a lot in this moment because I get really passionate about, like, things either going on politically or going on, like, even just, you know, I got on this huge, this huge, like, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, like, about plastic. I was, like, full steam ahead, no plastic in this house, we're getting rid of it, like... Yeah, no straws. And I'm not saying to, like, not do that because I really do try my hardest to, like, limit that as much as possible still. But getting other people in my household to do it, I felt like Hermione. And I I was just like, it's because you're being lazy that this problem is existing. And, like, I, I literally, like, used these same arguments. And then I'm like, maybe it was a little harsh. I need to I need to figure out a different way to do this. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, there's just other ways to go about trying to, like, get people to change. Um, and, like, sometimes you're just not going to be able to, and you have to accept that, but take your victories where you can. So, anyway. Don't use straws. I love Hermione. <laughs> and don't use straws. <laughs> there's my <laughs> PSA for the episode. Um, 
So anyway, don't be lazy and let bad things continue because you don't want to change is what I took from that. So um, we also see goblins in the woods who are cackling over a sack of gold. And I said, I bet that these are the goblins who Ludo paid in leprechaun gold because that gold maybe hasn't disappeared yet because or they stole it or they stole it. But there oh, are oh. goblins who are, like, coming after him later in the book True. because yes. he paid them in not real gold. Right. Um, then we also see Vila and some wizards around them trying to oppress them. Shout out to Stan. He's there <laughs> saying, what does he say? That he's, like, the minister? He's going to run for minister of magic or something? Someone, <laughs> someone says they're a vampire hunter. Who? Oh I don't know. Oh, somebody, one of, them, one of the yeah. guys. Though. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the reason I thought maybe those goblins were the goblins who Ludo paid off because we run into Ludo right now. So he seems very white and strained. He has no idea that there's a riot going on at the campsite. Um, so he's clearly caught up in some of his own drama right now at this point. Um, but he disapparates to go and help. seems super not himself. Uh, maybe because the goblins just cornered him for his money. So he gave them the leprechaun gold. I don't know. Maybe. I I pulled up in the chapter what they were saying to the Vila. Oh, do it. I pulled down a hundred sacks of galleons of year, one of them <laughs> shouted. I'm a dragon killer for the Committee for Disposal of Dangerous Creatures. No, you're not, yelled his friend. You're a dishwasher at the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a vampire hunter. I've killed about 90 so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to become the youngest ever minister of magic I am. <laughs> that was Stan. That was Stan. <laughs> we need laughter in this episode. It's so sad. What did Ron say? Ron said something he funny, didn't something. he? Oh, yeah. Something about a broom. Did I tell you I've invented a have invented a broomstick that'll reach Jupiter? <laughs> <laughs> oh Ron. Ron. And then Hermione's like, honestly. Yeah. Oh my god. Alright, it's time for our ads. Attention, dear swishers. <laughs> I just love that so much. It makes me smile. Alright, adventure is out there. Why settle out there, for out there, out there. ordinary <laughs> chain store coffee when you can have an adventure in every cup with our buddies, Expedition Roasters? So they are artisanal roasters of pop culture coffees. Now you can experience a little theme park magic every day at your home. I just want to add that they say that oh. pop culture coffees, like they literally have Disney, which also includes Star Wars. They have wizarding themed they have plain roasts they i think are coming out with a mary poppins roast so just saying i just want to add that you said you wanted to add to the ad i did yeah and now we're back to katie yeah (laughs) i thought you were telling me i said artisanal wrong or something no you said it right i just wanted to tell people about all the cool pop culture things they touch Each themed bag features custom artwork by guest artists that make it perfect for displaying in your kitchen or office. They truly are really pretty bags. So try one of our premium wizarding roasts like Booksmart Blueberry, the bomb, Blueberry, Blueberry, (laughs) Charming Chocolate Cherry, Cunning Caramel Crunch, or Big Hearted Butterscotch. All our coffees are certified gluten and allergen free. You cannot raise your hand during an ad. I just I want to add something else about big-hearted butterscotch. Okay. People suggested making it iced and then making a foam <gasps> topping for it, like the butterbeer in Ooh. the Wizarding World. We're going to yeah, try yes. that. I'm in. Yeah, let's in. try it. In. It'll be like Can a you try it at my house? Yeah. Well, you know what you should do? You should mm-hmm. make it cold brew. <clears throat> 
Yeah. We've not like just an iced coffee, but cold brew. Okay. If y'all don't know, I was converted. Cold brew is so much better. And also I learned that you can cold brew a coffee and then serve it hot, which I have never done. But hmm. interesting. Brewing, it is so good. It is really how good. Would you, how would you make a frothy top? You make it separate. Yeah, you make it separate. And then you pour it on top. Okay, but I'm going to need like a recipe. <laughs> I have I have a Are good buttermilk topping recipe. Marty will. <laughs> all right continue the ad i'm sorry yes please go on so not only are they gluten and allergen free but they're also vegan yep so start your coffee adventure today at expeditionroasters.com and use coupon code swishflick15 that's swishflick15 to, to save 15 percent off your first purchase so grab your cauldron embrace your inner slughorn and brew your happy place nice. <gasps> what a good ending nice. oh you um and they also have decaf coffee available. I don't know they for do. every, like, um, one, but I know they do sell some of their coffee decaf, if not all. But I'm not okay. sure how much. So, Guys, moral of so the good. ad, go get you some happy coffee. It's so good. So good, yeah. you guys. And I... Yeah, cheer up, Charlie, with some coffee. I was not a flavored coffee person. And then Expedition Roasters happened. <laughs> and I will it's drink really, it. It's really good flavored coffee. Because you can go really wrong with flavored coffee sometimes. They do a good job with it, though. And guys, they have one that's banana flavored. They do. <laughs> they do. And it's really good. And also, I do believe that I heard that they're coming out with um, whole bean bags that you can buy, oh, too. So I'm that so you excited. can... Yeah, right. I'm excited for that. I was literally just wondering that the other day. That's so funny. Yeah, because I really liked yeah, it. I like <laughs> Sarah's extra because she likes cold brew, and I'm extra because I like pour over coffee. So <laughs> I do. I don't know because Nothing. you're a Vila. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm extra because I like way too much cream. <laughs> but I like uh, to grind my own beans. I have a coffee grinder at my house. It's just it's yeah, so much it's better. Good. You should go like. Totally off topic. If you're making cold brew, you want a coarser grind anyways. And so when you normally get like a pre-ground coffee, they grind it pretty fine. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes like you get less of the grinds in the coffee if you do a coarser grind for a cold brew. It's the you same just leave for it overnight pour over. in your refrigerator for hours. Yeah, yeah, we invested in a, for pour over. a little Mr. Coffee Grinder. For they don't sponsor us, but no, but that's a good one. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, gosh. here comes one of my impressions. You ready? Got Do it. Do it. I'm so excited. Mo's Madre! That's good. Thank that you. Really I good. liked it. I liked it a lot. So that's what we hear. So the trio here. So something vast, green, and glittering erupted from the patch of darkness close to our trio. And it flew up into the treetops into the sky. Um, it ends up being a colossal skull comprised of what looks like emerald stars with a serpent protruding from its mouth like a tongue. Um, so as they watched, it rose higher and higher, blazing in a great, in a haze of greenish smoke, etched against the black sky like a new constellation. So I really like, not that I don't like, because it's terrifying, but, like, you get such a good picture in your head of what this looks like. Um, and I, I like how the movie did it, but I actually really like the chapter art for this. Is that what you're going to say? I was going to say I just really love that that was the chapter art so you get even more of the visual visualization of it. Yeah. And I do believe in my opinion I think that the movies did a really great job of portraying what the dark mark was. I mean it's, yeah. it's scary. Yeah. And what a way to like 
as a first time reader, start that chapter. When you see that picture and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? Yes. So suddenly, this thing appears in the sky and the wood all around them erupts and screams. So just imagine that. Like, it's already scary. And then this thing, which Harry doesn't know what this is, yeah. right. um, appears and it's just chaos. Um, so Hermione's like, we need to move right now and harry doesn't get why he's startled that she's so like terrified looking she's white um and she's like that's the dark mark harry that's voldemort's mark so they make go to make a run for it but they don't get very far before 20 wizards apparate all around them they're surrounding them um harry whirls around and in one instant he registers the fact that all of them have their wands out and all of those wands are pointing at the three of them so without pausing to think, he yells for them to duck. I think this is a really good example of how Harry just has this natural instinct for these kinds of situations, mm-hmm. for defense against the dark arts, um, and for yep. his eventual future career as an Auror. Yep. So he grabs Hermione and Ron, pulls them to the ground just in time as all 20 of those wizards start firing. Stupefy, there's jets of fiery red light <laughs> flying over them. Like, it's there's so much. It's, like, ricocheting off the trees. It's blowing their hair all around. Um... Mr. Weasley comes flying in. He's like, stop, that's my son. Like, what are you doing? They're kids. Um, Mr. Crouch comes running over. He's, like, instantly accusing them. He's demanding which one of them conjured the dark mark. Yes. I think that this is a great foreshadowing of the type of person that Crouch is. Yeah? Because he has no trouble trying here to accuse Harry Potter of conjuring the dark mark just like he has no trouble throwing his son in Azkaban, though he's right with his son. This is the Harry Potter. Right. Rip. <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking? Look at his head. There's a lightning bolt there. Come on. Oh, God. Um, but Ron, bless his little heart. He's like, we didn't do anything. Why are you attacking us? <laughs> Um, I love so, Ron. again, Mr. Crouch, he is just, he's beyond reason right now, I think. His eyes are popping. He looks slightly mad. He shouts at Ron to not lie. And one of the other, which is a part of this 20, is like, they're just kids, Barty. You know, like, what are you doing? Um, and Hermione's like, no, the mark came from somewhere over there. And Mr. Crouch is like, oh, stood over there, did they? Said an incantation, did they? You seem very informed on how the mark is summoned, Missy. First of all, don't call me that. <sighs> Second, <laughs> calm down. I'm a 14-year-old child who's just trying to get out of trouble's way. I'm just wondering, like, if Crouch is, like, thinking, like, because his son, Junior, was, like, young, wasn't he? Like, fresh out of Hogwarts, Hogwarts. Yeah. Hogwarts. When he went to Azkaban. So maybe he's thinking, like, I don't know, like, when he started doing what he did. So maybe he was so young. Yeah. Or maybe he's also thinking, like, I really hope this wasn't my kid because he's there right now and he's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's in with them. So, yeah, unbeknownst to everyone else, he's under, like, way more pressure than anybody even realizes. Yeah, that's a really I mean, good point. It, it definitely makes sense how he's been acting throughout this this book because he is under immense pressure. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know till literally the very end. Yeah. So yeah, um, none of the other witches or wizards are anywhere close to the same brainwave as him. They all just want to like investigate where Hermione said someone had conjured. Um, Amos Diggory is one of those wizards, and he does go and discover who they think may have cast the dark mark. And uh, drum roll. 
or ding roll. It's Winky. <laughs> Can we say that for now? <laughs> Uh, ding roll. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, so it's Winky, and she's been stunned, so she's just, she's out. And Mr. Crouch is shocked. He can't say anything. Um, he can't believe it. And Amos Diggory's like, well, that's a bit embarrassing. Barty Crouch's house elf. And Mr. Weasley's like, Amos. come on, he, you don't really He's a jerk. Think... Yeah, I know. He is. Mr. Weasley's like, you don't really think it was the elf. Like, that's a dark... The dark mark is a wizard's mark. She would need a wand. And Amos is like, yeah, she had a wand. Yes, Tiffany? Do you think Cedric is so nice because his dad was such a jerk? Maybe. Maybe. I really don't like his dad. You know? No. I mean, makes me sob in the movie because the end of that yeah. is... The acting is holy, great. Oh, it's mm. so good. And, but... Like, I think Cedric is like, okay, so my dad's probably not the nicest of people. I'm gonna be not like that. And I think that's why he's so nice. I like that, because, I mean, he could have gone either way. He could have just, like, mm. lapped it all up, that been his really dad pompous. loved him yeah, like this. And, yeah, because he could have been like, my dad is blah, 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 and mm-hmm. I'm good at blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when he was champion, he wasn't a jerk about it, you know? And that kind of stuff can go, pe- go to people's heads. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really feel like... Amos probably wasn't Hufflepuff, too, and um, Cedric ends up valuing, maybe he ends up valuing kindness because his dad isn't always that way, so that's why he gets Hufflepuff. Yeah, I like that. Um, As someone points out, maybe Cedric is more like his mother. We don't know Mrs. Diggory, Mm. so. Mm. Um, So, yeah, she had a wand, and he points out that's already Clause 3 of the Code of Wand Use broken, so that means no non-human creature is permitted to carry or use a wand. Clause 3. Sorry, I missed it. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. So here comes Ludo Bagman, appears. He looks breathless. He's all disoriented. He reminds me of Fudge in this, in yeah. book five, when he's like, he's back. Because he looks up at <laughs> the sky, back. and he's like, the dark mark. Like, yeah, dude, it's been there. What? Where have you been? Um, so Mr. Crouch comes back from searching the spot they found Winky, because he did not want to believe it was her. He was Maybe he was looking for his son. I was just going to say, I think he was looking for... For Barty Crouch Jr. Because he knew that if Winky was there, he wasn't far behind. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make sure that he was either stunned, covered by an invisibility cloak, or gone. God. Yeah. I just, literally just thought of that now. I'm seriously reading this book again. Because I haven't, again, I haven't touched four, five, six, seven in years. So I'm rediscovering it. And it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of like a first read in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mr. Crouch comes back, Ludo wants to know, why weren't you at the match? Your house elf was saving him a seat. No, she wasn't. She was sitting with his son. Yeah. But, so, this guy's way behind the times. Like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Ludo. Um, so, he's they wake... Been, he's been worried about his money. Yeah. It's so important, he's right? A, I, I, he's addicted to gambling. Yeah. I think that's the, the correlation here. I think you're right. With him. So yeah. they wake Winky up with, we get to see Renervate. Is it Enervate or Renervate? I think this is one of those spells, I think she went back and changed. Do oh, you remember okay. that? So I don't know which version I have, but my book said Renervate. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it might be Enervate, and the other one might be Renervate. You know what I mean? Hmm. The counter, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so she slowly comes to, and when she sees that dark mark in the sky, she just bursts into tears. 
And here's another example of how Mr. Diggory is a jerk. He just sternly calls her Elf. I hate it. Yeah, like... You know her name. Even well, if does you he? don't. Yeah. Like, do, do you have to... That's just like looking at someone and being like, Human! Right. Boy! Girl! I hate oh, that. Oh, I hate that so much. Yeah. So he starts grilling her, like, the dark mark was conjured here, you were discovered right under it, you were found with a wand in your hand, and Winky's just, like, beside herself. She's like, I is not knowing how, sir, and that's just constantly what she keeps saying. Um, she's under, which we don't know, she's under this, I mean, she's got that bond with her her master, where she can't tell yeah. anybody about Barty Crouch Jr., so she's in a horrible position right now. Mm-hmm. literally bound by magic. She can't do anything. Um. So, yes, Sarah? I'm just thinking, even if she wasn't, like, she's so loyal yes. to the Crouches, and you see that even, like, later on in the book, that I don't think she'd say anything anyways to, like, incriminate the Crouches Agreed. at all, because she's so loyal. Right. Amos holds up the wand that she had used, and Harry gets a good glimpse of it and realizes it's his. Um, and here goes Amos accusing Harry James Potter of conjuring the dark mark. Mr. Weasley's really mad about it. We don't learn at this part how she got his wand, do we? We learn that later on in the book, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, which I like that Mr. Weasley's so angry about it, because he, like Mrs. Weasley, treats Harry as his as his own son. Yeah. Um, and Winky insists she didn't do any magic, she only picked up the wand, she only found it, she did not make that mark, she doesn't know how. Um, Hermione stands up for her, Winky has a very squeaky voice, and the voice they heard, which was much deeper, definitely a human voice, and Ron stands up for it too. Yeah. He agrees. Um, so Amos is like, oh, we'll see, and they use Priore Incantatum, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? I would think so, yeah. Um, so it's a spell that lets you discover the last spell a wand performs. So he does this, um, and a shadow of the dark mark comes out of Harry's wand, and Amos is just convinced, like, Winky's wailing, but she's like, I didn't do it. I'm a good elf. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Massive foreshadowing here again as well, because yeah. we see Priori and Cantatum for the first time, and we see a yeah. shadow, quote, mm-hmm. of the previous spell come out. So, yeah. again, later in the series, we'll see Priori and Cantatum um, with Voldemort's wand, and then we get to see all of his victims. Good point. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. It, it's, is it a, it's not a movieism that a bunch of people come out right. that Voldemort has killed with that wand, but, like, how many at a time per casting of this spell? Do you know what I mean? Because, like, what else came out of Harry's wand? I think that the difference between this instance of it and the instance with Voldemort is that this instance, a spell was cast and it showed us the last thing. I believe that if Amos were to cast it again, we would see the next thing. But with Voldemort, they were connected and there was magic flowing between both wands. So it was almost Mm. as if it was a constant stream of Priori Incantatum from um, Harry's wand to Voldemort's. And that's why all of the victims are coming out. And even the snowball. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just wondering, like, but how did it know when to stop? Like, because it stopped at Harry's parents. I and think there's that... clearly more than that, but... um, Yeah, I think that I just... um, 
Dumbledore tells him later that had the connection remained, more would have come out. But mm, after he Harry's does. parents, um, then they're talking to Harry, and Harry breaks that connection and then runs to the right. to the cup. Plus, their ones are even more of a special circumstance because they share a core, and there's right. this prophecy and all that stuff. So, right. like circumstantial spell casting. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yep. These Blue. episodes are getting long. <laughs> It's a good thing, though, I think. Yep. Oh, is it my turn? I was really waiting for <laughs> Sorry. All right. <clears throat> I'm gonna... I got blown away. I was blew away by this chapter. You get it? Because I'm blue. You're got welcome, it. America. All right. So the evidence is not looking good for Winky. <clears throat> She's been caught red-handed with a guilty wand literally in her hand. So Mr. Weasley tries to reason with Amos, saying, like, where would she have even learned that? Like, I just don't like Amos in this situation because he goes from, like, accusing, like, multiple people in, like, 30 seconds. Everyone's accused. It could have even been him. So Crouch says that perhaps Amos is suggesting that he routinely teaches his servants how to counter dark, ma- like, the dark mark. And Amos is horrified. He's like, Mr. Crouch, not, not at all. Okay. So Amos has oh. been very close to accusing two people with conjuring the mark. So basically, Mr. Crouch himself and Harry Potter. But like doesn't Amos know who Harry Potter is? Yeah, doesn't he... like it makes no sense. And um Mr. Crouch even says he's like ha- that he has a long history of despising and detesting the dark arts and those who practice them. Yes, Tiffany. I just think that Amos would love to be like the person to like mm. find who did it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, we don't know this now, but you learn later on. And I'm sure that, like, Amos knows and the people, like, the adults there know. And they, if they were, um, had gone through the first Wizarding War and all of, like, everything that he put his own son in Azkaban without any regard for anything. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't even think twice. He, like, threw the book at him and everything. Yeah. So Amos tries to backslide on what he said. But if you accuse his elf, then you accuse him, basically. But Amos says that she could have picked it up from anywhere. And Arthur's like, precisely. She could have picked it up anywhere and turns. And then he finally asks Winky where she found Harry's wand. And she says she um, found it in the woods or the trees. He says, you see, Amos, whoever conjured the mark could have disapparated right after they had done it, leaving Harry's wand behind. A clever thing to do, not using their own wand, which could have betrayed them. And Winky here, here had the misfortune to come across the wand moments later and pick it up. And then, um, did she see the person? So they ask her, but no, she's seeing no one, sir. No one. And I was like, mm, I'm calling some BS because I think she knows that Barty Crouch Jr. did it. That's just my yep. opinion. Um, but again, with Winky being who she is, she's not going to betray her family, even for her own good. But, yep. Yes, Megan. It kind of surprised me that she lied about where she found the wand, though, um, because she takes it out of his pocket. Whenever does does she or does Barty take it out? No, of his I, Barty, Barty takes Barty it out. took it out. I believe. Yes. So okay, so she's saying she found it when Barty dropped it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So he he pulled it out because he tells him he's like it was like right there for the taking almost. So Crouch then asks um, that he can like asks Amos because Amos is like ready to like take her in and like we're gonna question her and we're gonna figure this all out. Um, he's like, can I deal with my elf myself? Which is a rhyme, and it makes me giggle. Um, he's, he doesn't want to have to go to, to the ministry, doesn't want her to be questioned. He's like, she'll she'll be punished, don't worry. 
And he says, Winky has behaved tonight in a manner I would not have believed possible, he said slowly. I told her to remain in the tent. I told her to stay there while I went out to sort the trouble. And I found that she disobeyed me. This means clothes. And whoo! Well, we all know what clothes means. Yep. So that means she's going to be freed. And both Winky and Hermione have a lot of feelings about this. So Hermione speaks up and says that, like, in defense of Winky, she was frightened. But Crouch has no need for an elf who disobeys. Like, so we know from the other chapter that Winky's afraid of heights. So she was already up there. And from their perspective, she was all alone waiting for him all the whole time. And he never showed up. So she's terrified. She's probably also, I would think, nervous because she's watching um, Junior and what he's going to do. And now all of these things happen. And now she's being accused. And she doesn't know where Junior went and all of that other stuff. Yeah. To be. Yeah. Well, and they're setting tents on fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just awful. And I think more so than him telling her to stay put, he was like, make sure he doesn't leave. And so I think the biggest part that we don't know at this point in time is that, and I don't really think it's her fault because he, um, Junior was able to get himself out of being under the Imperius curse. So he like left of his own free will and she couldn't stop him. And she tried, but couldn't. Right. So anyways, needless to say, Winky's very upset, sobbing her eyes out. Um, and Mr. Weasley says it's time to go back to the tent, but Hermione wants to confront comfort Winky. Um, she's like asking, like, what's going to happen to her? She's very angry that um, Mr. Diggory kept calling her elf and how it was so unfair that Crouch had just sacked her and treated her like she wasn't even human. And Ron responds with, well, she's not. And in my, I mean... She's not a human, though. She's a house elf. Not saying that's justifying anything that happened, but she isn't a human. Again, still mean to her. I don't think that's right, but... Yeah. So she still has feelings about it, but Mr. Weasley tells her it's not the time to discuss Half-Elf's rights, even if he agrees. Because he's like, I agree with you, but now's not the right time. And I think most of it is just that he wants to go back and go to bed. Like, it's been a lot happening, and he's just ready to... He just needs some sleep. So then he tells him, because Ron's like, what is, what was that? Because he has no idea either. The only one of the trio that knows is Hermione because she reads. Um, and so Arthur's like, I'll explain the why the skull thing has people freaking out when we get back to the tent. So they're walking. Then a bunch of people see him like as they come out of the woods. And they're like, Arthur, is it him? Is it him? And he's like, of course it's not him. We know we don't know who it was, but it looks like they just separated. Now, please excuse me. I want to go back to bed. So at the tent, Charlie pops his head out and says, like, the rest that are inside. So now they're all back together. And so we now know, like, it had to have been even, like, worse than, I don't know. I, I never really thought of it, how bad it was there, but a huge scuffle because Bill's holding a bed, bed sheet to his arm, which was ble- bleeding profusely. Charlie has a large rip in his shirt. Percy has a bloody nose. But the rest, um, so the twins and Ginny, are unhurt but shaken. So Arthur tells them that, no, they didn't get the wizard who conjured the mark, but it was conjured with Harry's wand and that Crouch's house elf was holding it. Um, so then they tell them like everything that happened in the woods. Um, and I'm going to read a bit from Le Chapter. 
While Mr. Crouch is, of course, Percy's like going to defend him. Well, Mr. Crouch is quite right to get rid of an elf like that, he said, running away when he expressly told her not to, embarrassing him in front of the whole ministry. How would that have looked if she had been brought up in front of the Department for the Regulation and Control? And Hermione doesn't even let him finish and says she didn't do anything. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. She's not wrong. She They keep kind of going back and forth because she... Um, Snapping at Percy, Percy responds saying, like, Hermione, a wizard in Mr. Crouch's position can't afford a house elf who's going to run amok with a wand. And Hermione's shouting, she didn't run amok. She just picked it up off the ground. And so then Ron's, like, over the whole elf talk. And so he brings it back to what was that mark thing in the sky. So what we know, it's Voldemort's symbol, and it hasn't been seen in 13 years, so people were panicking. Voldemort and his followers would send the dark mark into the sky whenever they killed the terror and inspired. Um, they just like just picture coming home, finding the dark mark hovering over your house and knowing what you're about to find inside. Everyone's very like everyone's worst fear. The very worst is what like Arthur's telling him. And then yeah. he says, as I find where I'm reading from the chapter. Well, it didn't help us tonight, whoever conjured it. It scared the Death Eaters away the moment they saw it. They all disapparated before we got near enough to unmask any of them. We caught the Robertses before they even hit the ground, though. They're having their memories modified right now. And here's like, Death Eaters, what are Death Eaters? So, let's talk about these peeps. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that just makes me think that the Roberts ended up being okay. Okay. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Okay as can be. Like, I wonder how... No, but messed like, up not the dead. dad is. Not yeah, dead. yeah. But sometimes there's fates worse than death. Well, hopefully like his brains aren't gift. addled, and hopefully, you know, they're okay. And just like, oh, where'd I get these bruises from? You know what I yeah. mean? We can yeah. only hope for the um, best. <sighs> yes. So Death Eaters—that's what um, Voldemort supporters call themselves. And there's an article, like there's a whole page on Pottermore, and it's just talking about at the very top it says acolytes of Voldemort by the early early 1970s and in the first sort of the first wizarding world they were known as death eaters and it just talks about like the different ones it's got Bellatrix um Rodolphus there's a whole one that's like a guide to Voldemort's um death eaters but it's got like each person so I'm not gonna read it because it's not important at this point in time um McNair Rookwood Delaval Black Yaxley Caro Pettigrew, Malfoy, Barty Grouch Jr., Snape, Harcroft, Draco. So they're sitting there talking, and they think that the those there tonight are what's left of them. So either others are dead or an Azkaban, but they don't have proof. Um, but the Weasley think that's probably, like, all those people in the mask were probably Death Eaters. They just, you know, can't say for sure. And then Ron tells them that they... Um, saw Draco in the woods and that he would bet everything on the Malfoys um, are one of the nutters in the masks. And I like that Ron's like the nutters in the masks. I just love them. And he's not wrong. They do wear masks. Uh-huh. So Harry wants to know Harry wants to know why they would fling those muggles in the air. What's the point? And so he says, um, the point said Mr. Weasley with a hollow laugh. Harry, that's their idea of fun. Half the muggle killings back when you-know-who was in power were done for fun. I suppose they had a few drinks tonight and couldn't resist reminding us all that lots of them are still at large. A nice little reunion for them, he finished disgustedly. And then they're like, but like, why would they um, leave? Like, Why would they all leave once the Dark Mark was 
cast or conjured. So Hermione wants to know if the person who conjured the narc mark was there showing support or if they were trying to scare like for the Death Eaters or were they trying to scare them away. Um, but who knows, but only the Death Eaters know how to conjure the mark. So that's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. It would be a shock if the person who did conjure it wasn't a Death Eater at some point or still was a Death Eater. But we know, we found out at the end of the book that he is. Um, right. And so, like, he basically, then Mr. Weeds is like, there's enough talking, like, let's go to bed because we need to get up early and go home. Um, but Harry has trouble sleeping because um, it's nearly 3 a.m. He's wide awake and worried. So three days before, he had woken up to his scar hurting, and now for the first time in 13 years, Lord Voldemort's mark had appeared in the sky. Um, and so he, like, thought about, like, the letter he had sent to Sirius and everything, and, um, you know, he had a lot of thoughts in his mind, and then he was finally able to go to sleep. And that's the end of the chapter. Oof. Oh, it was a, a heavy one. chapter. Is heavy. the next chapter lighter? <laughs> no. Vish, <laughs> but not. Because there's things, like, you can talk about, well, we'll get into it the next chapter. All right. Lightning bolt round. Yep, if you guys got any while I scroll through the chat to see if uh, there's any in here. I believe there Somebody is. Somebody did send one. Give me fun questions to Discord people because yeah, that was too fun. heavy. I and need here's happiness a random in my question. <laughs> if you could have any dessert right now, what would you eat? A mm. s'more. Pudding Ooh, cake. Good. What's or... pudding cake? Ooh, pudding cake Chocolate sounds pie. good. Pudding cake is so easy. Okay, so you take devil's food cake mix, like the chocolate devil's food cake mix, and then you take cook-to-serve chocolate pudding. You cook the pudding how it says on the box, right? Then you just take a bowl, pour the devil's food cake mix inside, pour the pudding that you cooked in, and mix it all up so there's no powder. It's supposed to look kind of chunky. Pour it in a cake pan, cook it like it says on the cake box, and that is it. And it is... Oh! It's so good. I could eat a whole pan in one sitting. That's pudding cake. Delicious. <laughs> or chocolate pudding pie. I and love that. Like a chocolate silk pie. I really I was gonna like, say like a uh, French silk. <laughs> I really like just like vanilla pudding in graham cracker crust pie tins. Like that, yeah, that, that is stuff good. Is the best. I like dirt pie. Ooh, dirt pie is good too. See, mm. you guys would like pudding cake. Just saying. I think I'm gonna bake some bread today. That's not desserty, but I think I want some bread. Bread, carb oh, meat, or oh, pretzels. We're having peanut butter cookies today. I have chocolate ice cream in my freezer. That's about it. I've got mocha, but I don't like it. It's like a mocha chocolate chip, where the ice cream is very good because it's graters. But I don't. I love. I don't like chocolate coffee. chips in my ice cream. Oh, I love Either. it. I don't. Graters like... is different though. Oh, okay. I have to try yeah, it. Yeah, there's this like legit chocolate. Mm. So good. But um, I don't like Mally's? mocha. Like it's no, because Mally's ice cream is just Pierre's. So yes, their ice cream is better than Mally's. <laughs> no, I meant the chocolate. Is the chocolate as good as Mally's? I would even venture to say it's better. Hmm. What? That's interesting. It's just really good in the ice cream. It's so good. It melts in your mouth. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. It's not if like all of them had craters. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. All right, we have a question, and sure. it's not sad. Good. Do you think wizards ever went to space? <laughs> Silence. I'm gonna say yes. Uh, I think yes. I bet you I don't that they probably went. Too. Well, I bet you they went with Muggles. Like I bet you they had astronauts with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why it wouldn't do you shock think me? There's a face on the moon. 
hello, because wizards got there first, blasted it in there, <laughs> thought they were funny. Do you Props. think the moon is made of cheese? Yes. Absolutely. What kind of cheese? Cheddar. Sharp. White cheddar. Colby. Havarti. Mm, Havarti is the bomb. <laughs> Why are we so weird? Gouda yes. think the it moon be... is made of cheese? Oh my god. <laughs> I wish you would ask us another question. Uh, how <laughs> long do you think the after party would last if there wasn't any hullabaloo? Oh god, for oh, I, mean, I mean, 24 hours for sure, at least. Legitimately. They, you would see them, like, they would wake up and they're leaving and there would still be people partying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I yeah, want to do that one year. Maybe for my 30th birthday. I'm going to have a 24-hour party. Just go That'd into the great. woods and party. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think... No, that sounds crazy. Do you think any of the gang would have snuck out to join the party? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fred and yeah. George. Fred and sure. George. Charlie and sure. Bill. Yeah. Yeah, well, they don't Fred have to George. sneak out. They're adults. I bet you Ron... <laughs> I bet you Ron and Harry would have, but I bet Hermione and Jenny would have. She's like, stayed asleep. stupid. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. Fan story. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Again, so, if this sounds familiar to you guys, can you me. let us know? Yeah. I don't think that she's read this one, but some of the earlier stories we just didn't have this like system set up yet, so we were just yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I'm doing okay. I'm trying. Yeah. All right. So this fan story comes from Matthew Allen. Maddie from Maddie. Australia. He says, hey, ladies, I apologize for the long Potter story. Don't you dare apologize for how long your Potter story is. Don't I want it all. My name is Matthew Allen, and I am 25, living in Melbourne, Australia. I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Hashtag Hufflepuff pride represent. <laughs> My Patronus is a lion, which I don't think matches me, but hopefully I will grow into it and relate to it more in the future. That's a cool Patronus. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a yeah. Huffledore. I'm jelly. <laughs> My wand is willow wood, unicorn hair, 10 inches, and slightly yielding. I can say that I use. I used to think I was a Gryffindor when I first started reading the books, but I am most certainly 100% a Hufflepuff. It's, it's the perfect way to describe me. Sounds familiar, Manny. Is that I feel you. Lily's Everybody wand? wishes they could be a Gryffindor. Just saying. It sounds a lot like Lily's wand. I think that that's Lily's wand. Willow wood and unicorn hair. I don't, I don't know about length, but I think that... That's crazy if it that's is. That's cool. That means you're cool, Maddie. My my Potter story was one that started many, many years ago when I was about eight or nine. I was at a Catholic school and really didn't fit in with many of my classmates. I can't remember if I read the books first or watched the movie, but I can remember loving the books from a very, very young age. Ever since then, I have been rereading the books as often as I can because I felt like Hogwarts was where I belonged. I was different at the and at the time, I didn't know why. I was sharing the books with my mom and sister and had to fight to be able to read them, especially as the later <laughs> ones came out. I remember locking myself in the bathroom to read Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> I, too, locked myself in the bathroom and read books. <laughs> You're like that kid from uh, from Christmas Story with the, the decoder oh, ring. decoding pen. <laughs> yeah. I am loving the podcast and rereading the books as you dissect each book chapter by chapter. This has reminded me of how much I love the books how much I love the books always transports me back to the world that I love and the world I wish I was living in. I only found your podcast within the last few weeks. This is, again, this is old. This is really old. (laughs) And I've powered through each episode that I'm almost caught up. Recently, your podcast has been such a lifesaver as my boyfriend of six years and I have had a bit of a rutch patch with with his, what did I say? Rutch? (laughs) Rough patch with his health. 
He was admitted to a psychiatric facility as he was a high risk of suicide and was away from home for two weeks. This was the longest two weeks of the six years we have been together. I could barely see him due to my working hours and the very limited visiting hours, but your podcast and all the memories and laughter Mm -hmm. were amazing and helped me through those really tough two weeks and are still helping me while we are working on getting him back to his old self while also dealing with the same issues with my mom and all you ladies have helped me so very much and i thank you from the bottom of this hufflepuff's heart thank Mm. you ladies for all the amazing work and it's been so amazing and i love hearing the passion that you all have not only for harry potter but also all the swishers out there p.s if any of you are in melbourne i would love to show you around also say hi to florence for (laughs) me don't let the muggles get you down I love that story. Me I'm too. so glad everything's getting better. Yeah. If we can be any sort of comfort in any way at all, that is such an honor to me. And thank you for letting us help you out that way. I hope everything's going very well. I know this is an older story, so I hope things are going well for you and your boyfriend, Maddie. Um, we all know you're mm-hmm. awesome because we get to hang out with you mm-hmm. um, sometimes during our Zoom hangouts. And... uh I'm sorry you had to lock yourself in the bathroom in order to have the book to yourself, but I love that. <laughs> Alright, so Swish and Flick can be found on all of the different social media channels. We are on Facebook at Swish and Flick Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Swish Flick Cast. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube and support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash swishflickcast. You can gain access to the Felix Files, and you can also gain access to our Discord channel, which we utilize now um, for our episodes. Um, so you so can choose your support level over at Patreon, and thank you to all of our current patrons. So Thank we you, love patrons. You. Thank you. Lastly, you can check out our website at swishflickcast.com to check out all of the information of us compiled into one place along with our merchandise. Yup. Yup. Oh! Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Ah! Finally, I beat you. It cancels out the Coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Tiffany, what's um, up with you? I know it's changed a lot since the last two hours that we recorded. It really has. I gotta go get this baby, so I've been doing that. Been being a mommy and a wifey. And a dog mommy, and a teacher, and a podcaster, and a person. But you can find me on Twitter at tiffswish underscore flick. I like to post animals, and Harry Potter, <laughs> and Star Wars, and general funnies. <laughs> general funnies. General funnies. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> um, I'll plug our poster business if you want to go get some cool... Harry Potter decor for your house or your dorm room or your kids' rooms. Um, Akio Designs on Etsy. Check us out. Also, we have some really cool stuff from Meg's mom on there. She makes really nice hand-knit scarves and blankets. So check them out. Yep. You can also follow our Disney podcast called Grown Up Kids. And we are doing a watch-through of every single Disney movie ever created. Except Touchstone Pictures. So, but that does not include the Nightmare Before Christmas. Except that'll Nightmare be Before Christmas because you know we have to do that one. Um, and then you can also follow us on YouTube at Main Street Nine and Three Quarters to check out our vlogs that we do whenever we go on adventures. Currently, right now, it is still our trip over to the UK. Yup, love it. <clears throat> I don't do anything with my life. I work and I podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at O'Malley. Three ages. I'll be traveling a lot this year, so woohoo! That's, that's my that's my plug. Yeah. All Ooh. right, friends. I hope we all 
enjoyed this episode somewhat. Uh, it was rough, but there are brighter days coming. <laughs> you're going to suffer, but, but you're, you're going to be happy about it. Yes, there are lots of bright notes that we'll be getting to. But you just have to turn on that light, right? Mm-hmm. All right. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and don't let the muggles get you down. <gasps> Amazing! Just in my voice! <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.